Thank you for sticking with the Mutual Audio Network, where imagination and relaxation blend. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. This podcast is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Jabez Flintwick, Salem Patriot, Episode 1. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Previously on Jabez Flintwick, Salem Patriot. Urgent business from General Ward himself. You are hereby ordered to relinquish your command to my person here in Shrewsbury. I did have another message, sir. The British guns at Ticonderoga, sir? Uh, We've captured them. Ready the men. We march for Salem. He's supposed to march us to Shrewsbury, but instead we're sneaking over to Salem. I'm surprised I I have any regiment left after my march here. I think perhaps your recruitment campaign has been good for you. You sound... uh, Meaner? Clearer. Elise is now hunting rabbits in the wood. Perhaps you should go join her? The prisoner, is it? But you don't need to torture me for me to tell you. I came here because I want to tell you. The rebels are marching to Salem. Notify General Howe of this rogue division's maneuvers to Salem. British ship, sir. They've been sighted in the Salem Channel. It's beginning, my friend. Cyalis cheap pills. No more Nigerian princes. No more Aunt Sarah email chains. And no more what's missing subject lines. Ah. I don't know why. I, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. I came here specifically to get away from all, all the attachments of our modern world, you know? Email, social media, Madame Truffaut's 24-hour webcam house of assignation... Oh, what an idiot I've been to invite this glowing box of shame into my home. Oh, well, at least I'm... At least I'm free now. Free at last. And just in time, too. It's Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday. And to celebrate it with Uncle Neville and Aunt Sarah, simply divine. Aunt Sarah has a Thanksgiving tradition. Oh, I I haven't taken part in it since I was a boy. She fills an enormous cornucopia with all the things we have to be thankful for. All the things we hold deep inside that make us who we are. I cannot wait for my part in the ceremony. As I still am the youngest person at the table, it will be my job to pull off the wicker lid and let the blessings spill out upon us all. 
Be sure to stay tuned after Jabez tonight. I plan to broadcast directly from the dining room table right at the big moment. <laughs> oh, I truly have so much to be thankful for this year. Uh, a moderately... Yeah, moder moderately successful podcast. Food, shelter, family, and friends. Yes. Yes, friends. Friends like, uh... Ooh, like, uh... Like all of you. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh... Oh, Francesca the Sheep! Yes! Yes, her! And, uh... And, uh, aha! My new best friend, Jabez Flintwick, Salem Patriot. Jabez Flintwick, Salem Patriot is brought to you by that glass over there. That one on the counter. Was it there before? No, I'm certain it wasn't. I put everything in the dishwasher this morning before I left. Who's in here? Who's in here? Come out, damn you, damn you, come out and show yourself, you... Oh, Janice, hi. No, I'm sorry. So sorry, no, it's my fault. I forgot it was Tuesday. No, no, it's fine, you can finish in here. No, I don't think the floors need it this week. Yeah, just finish in here and you can go. Blood, bones, the roar of fire, the sting of steel, the reverberation of deadly armaments echoing off walls. And that's just Aunt Sarah in the kitchen on this Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> yeah, she's got the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on the tiny black and white on the counter. But other than that, it's pure pandemonium in here. Uncle Neville and I keep trying to sneak in and steal a biscuit or two, but she can batter reaching hand away with a spatula faster than a bullet leaving a musket barrel. Speaking of, the Redcoats have Jabez and company pinned down under pretty heavy cannon fire in Salem Neck. Let's have a look. Mort! Mort, I say! What have you gleaned from your scouting? Four British ships, sir, all loaded with heavy artillery. They've been pounding the town with cannon fire for hours now. <laughs> Tell me something I d don't know. My mother tried to pass me off as a girl for the first 12 years of my life. I think my current exaggerated masculinity is the result of a lifelong attempt to overcompensate for this confusing time. To this day, I feel more comfortable in a dress and girdle than in breeches. Right. Thank you, Mort. Anytime, sir. We need a plan, Jabez. We are desperately outnumbered and outgunned. I, I, I know, Clement. I, I know. Damn. The, 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 the British weren't supposed to follow us here to... Salem. Then why the hell did we march all the way here? My feet are killing me. 
Do you know what it's like to wear heels that long? Y- you wore heels? Yes, Jabez, I wore heels. They accentuate my strong calves. I wouldn't expect you to understand. What? What is that, Elise? Gentlemen, please. Elise grows weary of this bickering, and frankly, so do I. We need a plan. Hey, uh, perhaps I can be of assistance. No, 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 no f***ing way. Don't even start with me this episode, old-timey New England proprietor. I'm sure you're not supposed to be in the scene this time. Uh, uh, actually, he is. What? Hey, uh, once I saw these no-good Britons attacking our cozy little burg, I signed up with Jabez's regiment on the double. Brought my musket, my bedroll, and an extra special chocolate malted in a tall glass with two straws for Jabez and Alicia so they can enjoy it as they stroll home from school, hand in hand on this crisp autumn afternoon while Jabez thinks about baseball and musters up the courage to steal his first kiss. God damn it. Fine. What is your plan, shopkeep? Well, sir, those British don't know me from Adam. I could walk right up, swear I'm loyal to the Crown, ask for an audience with the Commander in order to share inside information, then, when it's granted, slit the bastard's dirty, limey throat from ear to ear and laugh while the f***ing monarchical scum chokes to death on his own blood. Eh, uh, that'd be mighty fine. Mighty fine indeed. Holy shit. Uh, no, not yet, old-timey New England proprietor. They're likely to k- kill you on the spot. We, we, we need every man we can get, uh, including the British. What's he talking about? Hey, uh, now you're talking like a stupid goddamn loyalist c- Seriously, sir, what are you talking about? Uh, you, you'll see soon enough. I, I... Oh, mon dieu, they are landing. Suddenly, dozens of rowboats dotted the choppy water of Salem Neck. Within moments, the red-adorned soldiers pulled ashore and unloaded dashing for cover amongst the town's establishments. Very well. It it seems they've left us no choice. I urge you to exercise restraint, Monsieur Flintwick. Remember the true enemy. I I have, Clement. Do you think the British will listen to a man who allows himself to be defeated so easily? Come, men. Ready your weapons. Attack! And so the Battle of Salem was underway. Any man who has ever faced combat knows its horrors. And years later, when asked to describe the butchery by a, an over-eager grandson or neighbor child, simply smiles sadly and shakes his head, preferring to preserve innocence where he might, and prays that the wide, disappointed eyes will never touch the sights his own have known, so he may live a long life where he sleeps well, and can gaze upon his own face in the mirror without being forced by the invisible, accusing faces of lost comrades to turn away and head to the cellar for yet another drink before the sun rises. But lucky for you, I'm not that guy. Dude, it was crazy. There were heads and guts and butts flying everywhere. I I mean it. There was this one guy's disembodied butt that went bouncing right past Mort's feet. He got his heel caught in it. And the cannons, oh man, when they hit a guy dead on, it's like he disappears. Whew, well, other than the shower of blood, bone, and guts that goes raining down upon the whole freaking regiment. Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy battle, man. A lot of people died. It was awesome. And despite the advantages of the British cannonry, the colonists soon gained a tenuous upper hand. Yeah, really. 
In fairness, though, it was mostly because the British kept doing that British thing they did, where they'd form a really neat straight line in their bright red jackets and march really slowly through the center of town. Then they'd act all surprised and, and Britishy when Jabez and company would sneak up behind them and shoot them in the back. Come, men, reform. Make the line as straight and red as the midsection of the Union Jack. Lieutenant General Drumwatt, sir. What is it, Galbit? I've no time for your balmy codswallop. Forgive me, sir, but it seems rather apparent that the colonists are somewhat taking advantage of our moving every soldier in our company into one straight red line and marching them slowly through the centre of town. Bah! Rubbish! My God, we haven't become the greatest empire this world's ever known by skulking behind alleyways and hedges like a common filcher looking to nick a pudding. No, sir! What's wrong with you, Galbit? Do you need another emetic purge to balance your phlegmatic complexion? No, sir. Lieutenant General Drumwatt, sir. Very good. Then join the line. Yes, sir. I'm behind you. Uh, no, uh, wait. Uh, can I at least turn round and shoot him, Lieutenant General Drumwatt, sir? Turn around? Turn around? Why, in all my years as the commander of this regiment, never once as a soldier of mine... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oop. Good show, Galbit. Hmm, as I suspected, an excess of black bile. We're giving them the business now, Captain Flintwick, sir. Like shooting fish in a... (laughs) In an instant, Mort's head was gone. The action of the battle stopped. Both sides, shocked by the suddenness, lowered their weapons and turned to stare at the now headless figure. The witch, a horrible, twisted, black, ragged she-devil rocketed high into the air, and with a flourish like tossing confetti, popped Mort's head into a thousand pieces that showered down upon the town. Mort's body remained standing for a moment, as if waiting patiently for the brain to tell it what to do. Then it collapsed. As the soldier's body fell upon the earth, so too did the witches fall upon the town. Through the fragments of Mort's skull, several hundred dark witches and warlocks could be seen descending from the murky dusk like crows onto a cornfield. The devil's brood attacked both Redcoat and colonists alike, ripping them limb from limb, slicing, strangling. The soldiers from both sides fled like children, the colonists to the woods, the British to the ships. The witches harassed them all the way, plucking up the screaming stragglers and hurling them into trees and rocks where they shattered like dinner plates. Yes! Yes, my brothers and sisters! Yes! Run them from our town! Run them from our land! It shall be ours! Ours in the name of vengeance! Come to the meeting house! Let us... Burn it in the name of our fathers and mothers. The unholy coven, convinced of their victory, abandoned their cruel torture for a moment and coalesced round the meeting house. In anguish and rage, the witches pounded at the walls of the godforsaken building and wailed the names of their ancestors while Thorndike struck a match. It seems our true battle has ended before it even began, Jabez. Was this all for nothing? Jabez looked at the frightened faces of his remaining men, huddled around him, looking for answers. 
His eyes landed on the face of Elise, who showed no fear. Rather, her beautiful features were twisted with anger, and worst of all, disappointment. Jabez grabbed his musket, turned, and walked toward Salem Neck. Jabez, wait. You'll die. But he did not look back. Instead, he strode to the newly constructed Fort Lee, and with steely resolve, began to climb to the top of the battlements. As he made his way slowly, finding his footing among the spaces between the rocks, a sound from inside caught his ear. Ouch! My finger! Hello? Who is that? Hello? Mister? My snake! He bit my finger. It hurts. Uh, oh, oh dear God, child, what, what, what are you doing up here? Jabez peered through a loophole and beheld a small girl, no older than four or five, coddling a snake. He hardened my finger, Mister. Uh, now, now, uh, leave him be. Put him down. You must follow me out of here. I'll lead you to safety. Take my hand. I'm scared. There's no need. I'm scared for... Uh, Yes? I'm scared for what we'll do to you. The girl's smooth, happy face disintegrated into an elderly, pinched, and cruel snarl. The snake grew by a factor of ten and wound its way around the crone's body and struck at Jabez's outstretched hand with a gasping hiss. He jerked back just in time and lost his balance, only to find his wrist clutched forcefully by the witch. They apprehended a child of Sarah Gordon examined it, being between four and five years of age. And as to matter of fact, they did unanimously affirm that when this child did but cast its eye upon the afflicted persons, they were tormented. The child told them there, it had a little snake that was to suck on the lowest joint of her forefinger. With those words that seemed to grant her a strange power, the crone blasted through the stones of the fort and shot up into the sky, pulling the flailing Jabez by the wrist and perched with him on the top of the battlements. From below, the rest of the witches continued their pain ritual at the meeting house, but the remaining soldiers... British and colonists could not turn their eyes away from the spectacle at the top of Fort Lee. Jabez skittered on his back away from the snarling witch and her ever-growing monstrosity. He pulled his sword from his belt and stood to face the witch. There's something familiar about you. You look just like one of the bad men that put me in a bad place all those years ago. My baby sister died because of you. A bad man. A bad, 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 bad. Jabez swung his sword with all his might, and the girlish head of the old devil lost its body and plummeted over the edge of the battlement. The snake shriveled instantly and died in a puff of white ash. The crone's body, too, shriveled and fell, and an audible gasp could be heard from the mouths of the soldiers who still watched in rapture at Jabez's feet. As he peered over the edge of the great stone fortification, Jabez saw the soldiers inch closer out of their hiding places, momentarily given courage by the successful witch-slaying. They all were staring at Jabez, mouths agape, unsure what to do, looking for direction. Even Lieutenant General Tremwort gazed upon Jabez, his usually stalwart face gone slack with confusion. Clement Bonhomme 
stepped forward. Now, Jabez, now is your chance. Lead them. Desperate to speak, but finding himself up against the old foe, his own tongue, Jabez stumbled and sputtered, trying to force the words from his mouth. Suddenly, Elise stepped forward. She waved her arms to capture Jabez's attention. Then mime turning a lock on her lips and spread her arms upward and outward in a wild, expressive rush. Jabez understood immediately what she meant. Yes. Free the words from my soul. Gentlemen! Soldiers! Friends! I speak not to the Americans among you, nor do I speak to the British. I address those and only those who count themselves among the ranks of men. There are some here tonight who would call the reign of man evil, a curse, a blight upon the world. They would say it's high time the reign was over. Good riddance, they'd say. And who are we to argue? We've seen the murder we've caused. We've seen the bloodshed, the torture, the pain we've inflicted upon one another. Can we even be trusted with this blessed new land here at our fingertips? Evidently not, for already we are at each other's throats. So, is that it then? Shall we all pack it in and sail away? Allow the witches their turn? I say no, for man is not a static thing. His virtue might, can, and does change, and that for the good. For every illustration of cruelty you place before my eyes, I'll offer you a hundred of kindness. For every village at war, I'll show you a thousand at peace. For every lifetime of hatred perpetrated by man, I'll point to a millennia of love. These witches who've come to burn our land, they know nothing but vengeance. Mark my words, my brothers. Whatever the outcome of this great war between us, the legacy between our two nations for centuries to come shall be one of forgiveness. Join with me tonight, patriot and loyalist, colonist and monarchist, brother and brother, and fight for the goodness within your very soul against the darkness that rages all around. To arms! To arms! And help me send these hate-spawned death worshippers back to hell where they belong! Oh yeah, and try to behead them or burn them. Shooting them won't work, okay? Got that? So it's behead, burn, or... Crap, what's the other method of killing witches, Clement? Drowning. Right, right, drowning. We all got it? Good, let's, uh... Um... Oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just came in there at the end. I heard drowning. Is there any other way, or...? Yes, as I said, beheading, burning, drowning, okay? Okay, uh, beheading, uh, burying, drowning... No, no, burning... Burning! Oh, okay, so not drowning. No! Hang on, JB. There is a rhyme I used to teach it to Elise when she was but a girl upon my knee. Aww. <clears throat> Neither rifle, nor blunderbuss, nor flintlock, nor musket will strike a witch stark dead in her casket. Only beheading, or burning, or drowning in the sea will kill a witch for good, you see? Okay, now I'm even more confused. Does it have to be in the sea when we drown them? Yeah, plus casket doesn't really rhyme with musket. It's translated from the French, okay? Three things you do to kill a witch. You behead, you burn, you drown, okay? Just pick one if it's easier. Well, I'd like to keep my options open. Enough! We're running out of time. 
They're still distracted at the meeting house. Now's our chance. Charge! You had him, men. Charge! And so the newly allied enemies set upon the witches with a thunderous roar. Here, one of Jabez's freed convicts distracts a crone while a British sergeant lops off her head. There, General Trabwatt holds a torch to the feet of a warlock while several young colonists tie him to a post. And there, there, holy shit! Is that the old-timey New England proprietor? Hey, uh, you like that nice ice-cold strawberry soda, don't you? Get a good taste. Broomstick fucking she-bitch. Yeah, yeah, I know, Aunt Sarah, I know. I'm scared too. The battle between light and dark raged for hours. For every witch successfully killed, at least two or three soldiers also lost their lives. Only the superior numbers of the ranks of men kept the battle close. Realizing that his defenses were diminishing, Thorndike Proctor beat a silent retreat into Salem Wood. Jabez looked up from the heat of battle just in time to see Thorndyke floating into the woods with Elise hot on his heels. Elise, no! Jabez sprinted after the warlock and his sweetheart and went crashing into the wood. There's only one place he would have gone. Jabez plunged forward through the brush, extra deep from the end of autumn's shedding. He wound his way through the wood till he was within sight of the old oak tree, great and terrible against the yellow moon. Thorndyke danced among the gravestones, his boyish gait betraying his elderly appearance. Daddy, 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 I'm going to see my daddy. <laughs> Just think, my penis is up here, and your penis is down there, and soon both our penises will be in the same world at the same time. Hey, that, that, that's enough. My Aunt Sarah is listening, and she doesn't like that. How many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> okay, I thought this was coming. Listen to me, you sad, lonely, pathetic little man. I am a voice, part of the creative team. That means I can take some creative liberties within reason. It just so happens that the character I am voicing has a bizarre obsession with his ancestors' penises. So I believe a little improvisation on this theme is more than apropos. No. No, you're not getting away with it this time. I've warned you countless times throughout this series, and you've ignored my every command. Command? Command? <laughs> what makes you think you have any authority to command me to do anything? Because, Thorndyke, I have the ability to narrate your ass out of existence whenever I choose. Bah, you wouldn't dare. We haven't even reached the climax yet. Nor is your Aunt Sarah with Uncle Neville in about twenty years, I'd wager. Ho, ho, ho! Maybe if she spent a little time with me, on the other hand. And Sarah? Yeah, and Sarah, hey, yeah. Um, would you, would you go in the powder room and lock the door? Go, go, I say! Now you listen to me. If you ever speak that way about my Aunt Sarah again... Aunt Sarah can kiss my... And suddenly, Thorndyke began to get a stomachache. <laughs> you really think that... <laughs> His bowels loosened, and he felt the backlog of twenty consecutive beef dinners knocking on the walls of his colon. I, I didn't need 
Twenty beef dinners. It doesn't matter because I said you did. Okay. Okay. I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. Take what back? Hmm? His knees weakened under the weight of the explosive pressure barely contained behind his puckering, bulging anus. Aunt Sarah is a saint. I was wrong to question you. Oh, please, 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 please. A tiny fart escaped and Thorndike felt better. thank you. Don't mention it. You know, I hope we all learn something. This goes for you too, Bruff Taxwind. Remember this the next time you have an urge to deviate from the script to talk about your acting class. We all know you studied Meisner, and we don't care. Hey, how did I get dragged into this? Shut up, Bruff. Get back into your metaphysical, outside-of-time, transcendental non-existence you inhabit when no one speaks your name along with all the other fictional characters created since the dawn of time. (sighs) All right, Thorndike. Back to your hopping around devilishly. Soon, Daddy. Soon. <laughs> Jabez crept as close as he dared. Look, Daddy. We've got a new friend. With that, Jabez found himself suddenly ripped into the air. He landed with a crunch on the ground. Every inch of Jabez's body was completely immobilized, except for his eyes. Woozily, they found Thorndike, who paraded around in front of Jabez with glee. You'll never rule this land now, Proctor. We've killed too many of you. (laughs) Oh, silly, silly Flintwick. You think the bloodshed you're perpetrating on my brethren bothers me? Ha! Just the opposite. I feed off the suffering of man and witch alike. This battle today has made me stronger than ever. You think I care about ruling over some stupid men? No, no. I've been waiting my whole life for suffering this strong to come to this town. It flows through me like blood, and finally, finally, it's enough. Salem now knows what I went through on that day in 1692. We are in balance. The town and I, and now, now, I can ask it to give me back what it took from me. And you, the grandson of a judge, you'll be the perfect sacrifice. With a flick of his wrist, Jabez found himself pinned against the oak tree, utterly unable to move. Straining to look down with his eyes, Jabez saw that all around the oak tree were logs, kindling, and bundles of straw, the makings of a great fire. No need for rope, Jabez. I can hold you just fine. (laughs) Another flick of Thorndike's wrist, and the straw caught fire. Instantly, the flames leapt high into the air, surrounding Jabez's body. Through the leaping fire, Jabez saw Thorndike continue his dance. Only this time, another figure crept up behind him and struck out with great ferocity. Ah! What have you done, you little whore? Elise clung to Thorndike, twisting the knife further into his back as she steered him toward the fire. Jabez felt control of his body return and leapt through the flames to the cool clearing just as his boots began to smoke. Jabez pulled his own knife and also clambered onto Thorndike's back. 
he thrust his blade into his shoulder near the neck and rode the beastly warlock ever nearer the raging inferno. No, no, it, it doesn't end this way. Not until I see my daddy. With ungodly strength, Thorndyke stood tall and flung the desperate sweethearts off his blood-soaked back, this time with the effort of his entire body, limbs outstretched, eyes rolling back into his head. He wheeled Jabez into the air and smashed him to the ground yet again. Then, with a cackle (laughs) and a snarl, he used his other arm to lift the wily Elise into the air and sent her flying up against the now-smoking oak tree. No! O town of Salem, source of my sorrow, accept this wretched soul in exchange for that of my father, John Proctor. He who was wrongfully accused by Williams and damned by Paris, Danforth, Hawthorne, and Flintwick, let his soul breathe again. Via the blood of an innocent like him, under the witness of the bloodline of an accuser. Watch, Flintwick. Never look away. Your grandfather watches through your eyes now. Vengeance knows no time, and I shall have it. The flames grew ever higher and higher. Jabez wanted to scream, but the paralysis held him like a deadly vice. Elise's face showed neither pain nor fear, only, only a vague, searching confusion. It soon gave way to an agonizing, desperate effort. Jabez realized she, she was making no effort to free herself from death, but instead she struggled as she had her whole life to speak. Her mouth twisted with exertion, forming a word that was clear to Jabez, even though no sound left her lips. Liberty! With Herculean effort, Jabez nodded in response, and Elise knew, for once, that she was understood. A second later, the flames pulsed higher and higher and consumed Elise completely. Yes, yes, you have her soul now, O Salem! Return, my fathers, to me. The flames reached a crescendo and died away to nothing, almost as quickly as they had begun. There, standing on the grave that once held his body, was John Proctor, handsome, tall with gentle eyes and a broad back. The farmer that would not sign his name to lies stood and regarded his son. Thorndyke? Father? They embraced. Son. Son, oh, my son, you... Have you finally come to join me? I was waiting for you, my son. No. Father. No, it is so much better than that. I have brought you back to be with me. What? See. You see. We are in the world. In Salem Wood, your back home. I've been showing them, Father. I've been showing them all. But we're not done yet. I've saved some for you. Look there, that soldier is a Flintwick. Of the line that signed your death warrant, he's yours. Show him what it's like 
to hang. What have you done, Thorndyke? Well, they killed you, Father. You, you, you were innocent. I... And you thought vengeance would set it right? I, I... Oh, that I had been there. Been there to show you the way. I died so that you might see how a man lives in an upright manner. Not so that you might wreak havoc upon the innocent. I allowed myself to be executed so that you would understand there are more important things than a man's life. His soul, his honor, his good name. I mean, seriously, how did you not get that? Gotta admit, I thought you were just being a bit of a dick. What? You know, like, uh... Oh, you guys are gonna kill me for this lie. Okay, fine, do it. Uh, just wait and see what happens to you and your ancestors kind, kind of thing, you know. Where the hell did you get that? I don't know. Seemed kind of like you were doing it out of spite. Okay, okay, a little. But mostly it was so I could teach my sons to walk like men in the world, etc., etc. You really misinterpreted this, Thorny. Oh, Dad, I, I hate it when you call me that. Enough. This ends now. I'll not have my name associated with your devilry any longer. John Proctor raised his arms high to the sky. A swirling thunderstorm appeared above his head. Lightning struck, thunder rumbled, and a great wind blew with the utmost ferocity. Thorndyke bowed his head against the tornado. Bit by bit, Thorndyke blew away like a sand castle eroded by the elements. Each piece of his being went swirling high up into the dark clouds, and Jabez saw the remains of the rest of the witches following fast behind. In an instant, the clouds closed up, and the calm night with its bright yellow moon returned. Jabez struggled to his feet. At the foot of the oak tree, he saw John Proctor hunched on one knee at the grave of Judge Jessup Flintwick. His rough, plow-worn hand rested genially on the top of the stone. Jabez approached slowly, but then recoiled as he realized the figure was nothing but the ancient remains of the man, a slight, hunched skeleton with threadbare garments and a bit of rope still dangling from his neck. Jabez wandered out into the town. All around him were the signs of a slaughter, hundreds of dead soldiers, British and colonists, but no evidence of a single witch. The more he searched, the more he became convinced that there were no survivors. He saw General Dramwart disemboweled at the top of the flagpole, and the old-timey New England proprietor asphyxiated on his own spotless bar rag. Jabez sat down there in the middle of Salem Square, too exhausted to move. He had no idea how much time had passed when a small band of Continental Army militiamen approached on horseback. Ah, there he is! The man responsible for this travesty. Who told you to march on Salem? Your actions have cost the cause immeasurably. Arrest this man for treason at once. Jabez turned and fled, running with all his might for Salem Wood. He heard the hoofbeats gaining on him from behind and turned just in time to see Clement Bonhomme reach down and snatch him up onto the back of his mighty steed. Come, Jabez. There is no place for you here. But Clement, Elise is... I know, boy. I lost a daughter today. I have no intention of losing a son. Come, there is more of this country undiscovered than discovered. More witcheries than we have stopped today, and many more days ahead before a man can breathe free in his own land. To the west, Jabez Flintwick. The west.
Jabez Flintwick Salem Patriot is brought to you by the adverb literally. The adverb literally now officially sanctioned to be used in any situation. Hey, have you always wanted to modify non-figurative adjectives like delicious or excellent? As in, that hummus was literally delicious? Well, now you can for some reason. But wait, there's more. Now you can also modify common figurative phrases with literally, even when you still mean them figuratively. For example, you can now say, I'm literally starving, when you end up having lunch a little later than usual. Or you can say, hey, that point guard for the Spurs is literally on fire when he is not, in fact, burning to death, but is merely giving an above-average performance on the basketball court. Literally. Just say it whenever because nothing matters anymore. Literally. Aunt Sarah? Uncle Neville? Hello? Gosh, you know... I'm really sorry, listeners. I, I don't know what's going on. I've, I've been wandering around the house looking for them so we could have the big cornucopia moment and then nowhere to be found. The house is all weird, too. Half the windows are broken and the furniture's all covered up with bedsheets. The cupboards are bare and, and hanging open and, and there is dust everywhere. <sighs> so I finally made my way here to the, to the dining room and... Although there is still no sign of Aunt Sarah or Uncle Neville, the cornucopia is here. Right at the center of the table, and big as life. Therefore, in the interest of time, I I will proceed with my part of the ceremony. Now remember, listeners, this is a solemn yet joyous event. The point is that the contents of the cornucopia reminds us all what we have to be grateful for. What we have to be happy about. It's the summation of all the blessings of our lives. So, as the youngest at the table, it is my job to pull off the lid and let the blessings spill out upon us all. So I'll say one, two, three, four, cornucopia, tell me what I'm thankful for, and I'll pull off the lid. Ready? <clears throat> one, two, three. Four. Cornucopia, tell me what I'm thankful for. Hmm. What's in there? What? Wow. Yeah, come on. That's in there deep. Back in the shadows. Why? Why, it's... It's... You've got mail. <laughs> the computer? You've got mail. <laughs> You've got mail. You've got mail. I destroyed you. I destroyed you. Dickon, no, where am I? These walls, these cold walls. Oh, dear Lord, the... The farmhouse must have been a fever dream from the trilogy. I'm still in Greyfair, oh God! I remember now, I remember now. I remember everything. Greyfair, the warden, my dear sweet Jenny, Courtney, and the pain, my headache. Yes. <laughs> I remember it all. No, 
No, I can't. I can't stay here any longer. I can't. I can't. Quiet. Who are you? It is Tom, narrator. Long past Tom. You've been narrating like an amateur. You want to know what's missing, you self-pitying worm? How about professionalism? How about self-respect? How about some goddamn top-notch storytelling? Instead, all I hear from you are self-referential tangents, out-of-control assistance, storylines about yourself that distract from the main action. Enough! I can't listen anymore. It's not the way to have a successful podcast. It's not the way to narrate. And by God, it's not the way I taught you. <gasps> Mentor? Yes, it's me. I'm back. And you're coming with me. Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Jabez Flintwick's Salem Patriot story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Wertner as lead story editor. This episode written and edited by Mr. Wertner, featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit RudeAlchemy.com attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. To support Rude Alchemy and gain access to exclusive bonus content including blooper reels from every season, visit RudeAlchemy.com support. And finally, no, no, Brendan, I'm glad he likes it at your mother's house. Just be sure he gets extra biscuits after nap time, extra special belly rubs when he's a good boy, and an extra scratch behind the ears every evening while you hug him goodnight and tell him it's from his best pal, the announcer. So maybe, just maybe he'll remember his daddy and how much he loves him, even if it's just once in a while. This is Jack Ward, and from every one of us here at the Mutual Audio Network, we wish you, your family, and all your friends safe harbor during these difficult times. Please follow the scientific and medical experts' advice, and we'll always be here for you daily at Mutual.